0: Hello, this is Robbie Yacht, Director of Client Experience here at Hoheimer Wealth Management. We welcome you here to the Worth Knowing More podcast. It's where we take an event or subject that has directly impacted us here at home in our Seattle area, or even nationally, Then we tie it all together into the economy, the market, and all things financial affecting you and us here at the firm. With me today is Alex Peters, who is the firm's CIO, Director of Investments. He's the guy that has got one of the topper jobs here. He's a wine and food enthusiast, a lover of the outdoor sports, and many other things the city has to offer. Alex will take the headlines, the good, the bad, the ugly, and make sense of it as it applies to our lives. Alex,
1: good to have you here. Take it away. Thanks, Robbie. And I thought today we'd talk a little bit about the restaurant industry. It's something I know we're all interested in, and we've been impacted here in our home market and also nationally. One thing I've noticed that I've is really hit home with me was Tom Douglas closing most of his restaurants. You know, he's a he's a local hero. It's been so successful, the bum wouldn't call us back. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. He wouldn't he wouldn't sit down with us for this inaugural podcast. Oh, no, we love Tom. We do love Tom. i I know I've gotten a lot of questions from my family, from people saying, you know, how can somebody that was so successful, you know, shut down so quickly in the restaurant industry? He had over ten restaurants some of the best-known restaurants in Seattle. And there's a few reasons for that. First of all, the restaurant industry is a fairly low-margin business. Many people heard this. You might be running a 10 20% type of a margin. So you never end up accumulating a lot of cash. Most of the money goes to pay for your real estate, to pay for your people. And Tom uh, Douglas stated that you know people saying, well, he'll just reopen his restaurants. That's not really how it works because... He has leases on those restaurants and to get out of a lease, you typically have to pay a fee. So restaurants like Tom, uh, operators like Tom are are in a very difficult position right now. In fact, seven out of 10 restaurants are a single location operation in this country. So not a lot of chains out there, not a lot of multiple uh, restaurant owners. And, you know, these are the type of people that, you know, the rent comes due every month and they've got to pay their employees and they don't have a big profit margin to store away money for when things turn down so they kind of fall into that small business type of category that's right that's right they're they're uh, they're exposed to the same trends of all the small businesses and I remember hearing a statistic recently that uh, the vast majority of companies had less than 30 days of cash reserves in the bank going into this crisis and restaurants on average had 15 days that's crazy yep yeah so uh, anyway um, I guess the good news is that for the restaurant operators, they are able to come back uh, that there's a fairly low barrier to get into the restaurant business. And I believe Tom Douglas has already opened his first new restaurant, which is one of the Serious Pie restaurants in Ballard, I believe.
0: So yeah, we love Serious Pie.
1: Please, 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 don't close that one down.
0: <laughs> so the, what I'm wondering is, so all the stuff that you're talking about, how does Tom Douglas and the rest of the restaurants here in
1: town closing and having a hard time, how does that affect us? here at the firm with what we do. That's a great question. How does it impact us? How does it impact the local economy? You know, just stepping back, there's the restaurant industry is a huge contributor in terms of jobs and it's a fairly big industry in, in terms of its revenues. It's a 900 billion dollar industry uh, nationwide. There's 15 million employees in the restaurant industry, okay? So, that's probably close to 10% of the population base that works in restaurants. And it's going to be similar in Seattle. It's probably higher in Seattle because as we know, this is a very foodie town. It is indeed. Seattle has the highest spending per capita on restaurants of anywhere in the country. Wow. Even beats out places like San Francisco and New York. Yep, they're, wow. they're definitely up there, but Seattle is number one, which is uh, kind of interesting. There we go, a
0: feather in a cap. Absolutely. So, but relate that then to, I mean, the decisions that you're making here at the firm. How does the
1: restaurant industry impact you and the decisions that you're making? Well, obviously, you know, what we're investing in and, and and what I analyze are not going to be the local restaurants. We're not making investments in individual local restaurants or small operators, but we do look at the publicly traded restaurants. And I think you'll see a lot of uh, interesting trends there. You know, there's obviously some, some major trends that have been playing out over the years, which are really uh, impacting some positively and negatively. You know, one of obviously the, uh, Things we've seen is a move towards healthier eating healthier ingredients Ooh. right Ooh. Ooh. Yeah, i know you've been revolting against that cheeseburgers <laughs> and pizza <laughs> it's cheeseburgers and pizza it's getting lonely out there for you yeah. so some of the fast traditional fast food companies have had have struggled with people you know trying to eat more healthy worrying about obesity everything else that's obviously you see that in and when you track the same store numbers you see that you know you see that denny's has basically not been growing and, uh, you know, Chipotle, for example, probably the best example of, of capitalizing this trend, growing 13%, 11%, 10% just the last few quarters. So, you know, we're really seeing a, a play out in what consumers are demanding. They're demanding healthier food. And they're also demanding technology. They're, you know, they want you to have a, a good app. Yeah. They want to be able to come in and pick up the food or have it delivered to them. and so- It
0: really makes it easy. It does Using some of those
1: apps. It does. So we're, there's going to be a real winners and losers tale. We're seeing that in the stock market as well. The valuations of the companies that are doing well, like Chipotle, are much higher than you're going to see from some of the other ones. And interesting, too, it's, it's not just that. It's also what's, what does the growth per profile look like for these companies as far as numbers of stores? Just to give you an idea, there's about uh, you know 14,000 McDonald's here in the country domestically and another 25,000 internationally. And for Chipotle, they only have twenty six hundred stores here and only forty internationally. So there's a lot of room for growth for companies like yeah, that. Yeah, wow, yeah, yeah. So, we're... but
0: Chipotle's definitely falls under the. They've got some healthy options and choices to pick from
1: in Chipotle. Absolutely. Yeah, and they they really were the leader in being able to develop a uh, supply chain, if you will, of this you know food that is not you know mass produced, that's healthier, that's organic. Now that's created some headaches for them in 2016, 2018. They've had, you know, E. coli breakouts. They've had some real issues about that. Oh yeah, that's that. right. The jack I, in the, with the jack in the box. But I think what we're seeing is that people are really willing to take a, whatever acceptable amount of risk to eat more healthy than sure. eat food that's bad yeah. for them, you know, because that yeah. has other, you know, real long-term health impacts on you. It doesn't hurt that it tastes good also, right? That's right.
0: I got that down. Yeah. Yeah. I heard years ago that out of all the restaurant chains, you know, the Outback Steakhouse was probably the most profitable because of the way that they ran their format. It was hours that they chose. They, you know, they're only basically open for evening hours and things like that. Do you know anything about that? And I'm just saying, why can't more restaurants run their programs like some of the more successful ones? It seems like somebody at some point would get smart and say, well, let's do it like those
1: guys over there. You know, that's funny. I, uh, I used to work with a a very smart guy who uh, went into the restaurant business with his wife. His wife was a lawyer, and she decided that she wanted to try the restaurant business, at least for a while. And he did a lot of research, and what he came up with is he thought the most profitable format was takeout Asian. And that's what they owe. So it was interesting. You start thinking about that. like, Yeah, why would that be? It's probably, well, the cost of production might not be that high. You're going to get a lot of high turnover. Your real estate costs are going to be very low. So why doesn't everyone do that? You know, I think we're all locked into legacy situations sure. at times. And, you know, you come up with a format that's been around 30 or 40 years. It's probably hard to pivot on that. Yeah. But you're right. That's why, you know, you can see wildly different performance financially depending on the type of format you choose. Sure.
0: Yeah, and my brother Mike and his wife, they have a, um, a bakery down in Tacoma. And they're, they're doing very well. But they've got a lot of vegan stuff that they cater to and some of these other guys, you know, that don't want really the the stuff high sugar, some of that stuff. Yeah. <laughs> no, for me, uh, you're breaking some kind of a rule and a law with all that stuff, but yeah, they're doing really well. I mean, they sell more of the healthier vegan type choices than they do some of the regular stuff. So it's crazy that people are latching on to that stuff and just going for it.
1: Yeah, well, you know, it's just like the rest of the economy And what has been a terrible, terrible economy for many companies and many people, you know, especially the ones that we know that are in the headlines tied to tourism and travel, things like that. It's been a great economy for certain businesses that somehow, you know, are benefiting in, in some way from what's going on yeah. because they do testing or they do whatever. It's the same thing in the restaurant business. There's going to be beneficiaries from the shakeout you know we're again getting back to Chipotle well what are their biggest challenges cost of labor and finding labor well that's gonna go down because there's obviously a a lot more restaurant workers looking for work and the other big cost real estate well as we know there's gonna be a lot of vacant real estate they're gonna be able to rent for much cheaper than they can so yeah there's gonna be winners and losers so what kind of effect does that
0: right there have on a city the way that it functions, you know, it's just its basic profitability.
1: Yeah, you know, that's a great question. Property taxes are usually, for commercial, are usually quite impactful. I know for New York City, they're very impactful. For example, just, you know, what the city gets from its taxes on commercial real estate is a big part of their budget, and it's hard to look at what's going on and think it's not a major negative for commercial real estate, particularly on retail, which restaurants would be retail. And then, of course, office, there's all sorts of machine working at home. People are going to be using less space. So I think commercial real estate's a driver of economic activity. It's a big producer of taxes, and that's definitely going to weigh heavily on uh, on towns and across America. So we might not see the impact of this for quite some time, six months, eight months, a year, year and a half? I think that's right. Especially that's a really uh, slow developing uh, issue. And with commercial real estate, you know, one thing people have said, you know, there's going to be a lot of foreclosures, and there haven't been yet. Well, it's all kind of playing out more slowly. uh You just saw Simon Property, the biggest mall owner in the country, just sued the Gap because they're not paying rent. Oh wow! And or they're paying less rent than they want them to. And you know, Gap's saying, "Oh, we'll we'd like to pay rent, but I think we need to pay half the rent we were paying before." So yeah, before I, this whole before uh, this, this happened, COVID right? Covid so, thing started. Yes. Yeah. So you know, right now we're in a period where there's been a lot of forbearance. Where the people that own the buildings are being told by their lenders, you know, we're gonna give you a break, we're gonna cut you slack, let you figure this out. So that has allowed them to allow the tenants to stay in place, to pay less rent. Perfect, which is a great
0: point because every time I come in the morning, you know, we've got restaurants here in the buildings. I see the Evergreen building down there still closed up. So I'm wondering, are they negotiating, you know, their payments? while nobody's occupying the building right now. And hopefully because, you know, on the building, if they say no and they leave, you know, then you got to find another renter. At least they say, we're here when we open back up, we've got the cash started to flow again with an already occupant. So I'm wondering, you know, what kind of bargaining chips and power do you have
1: as a restaurant in a building like ours? Yeah, you know, that's a great question. And it really depends because it really depends on who owns the loan. Ultimately, if it's the local bank, they're being very accommodative in general, and it's a much easier conversation. You know, you're literally calling up the banker, or maybe lives in your neighborhood, and you're saying, "Hey, you know, let's talk about this." And the, yeah. and the banker's incentive for you, incentive for you to stay somewhat current and trying to, you know, keep you in the building. Sometimes uh, many of these loans are securitized and they're sold. They back bonds and they're managed by special servicers, and that's a very different conversation. And they've been less willing to deal uh, with the tenant find a creative solution so it really is it really depends and you hopefully your loan is with a local bank and right. not in a bond
0: well I know the restaurant industry is tough a couple years ago I read the book from Joe Bastianich and Mario Batali their partners they've got some of the best restaurants in New York They said after everything's said and done, I mean, the scraps that are going to the garbage have been picked clean, all of that stuff. They said if you're making 20% at the end of the year, you're a successful restaurant. So there's not a lot of room for error in some of that stuff. So if you get dinged like something like this, it's just got to be devastating.
1: Absolutely. And, yes, 20%. Yeah, 20% at at its best. At its best, right. And 10% might be more typical. Yeah. Um, Yeah, that's a great point. I think there has been a lot of cost inflation in restaurants, and so they're going to really be taking a look at that. I think they've got to understand or what are people willing to pay for and what aren't they? I know locally, a lot of times you go out and you say, wow, that's surprisingly expensive meal. I think that's one reason that we're the yeah. highest per capita yeah. restaurant expenditures. So there probably needs to be a rationalization of costs and how do they deliver the product where they can make money, but it's also good value to the consumer. Sure. And we, you know, other than the COVID thing, you
0: know, we've had some other issues with the restaurant industry already. When, you know, the $15 an hour thing came down and Tom Douglas decided that, you know, he was going to add a 20% tip on every one of his restaurants. I think, you know, he probably saw some of the numbers go down at that point, you know, just dealing with some of those other things and then, you know, compound it with this. So, yeah, you got to be feeling sorry for like almost anybody in the restaurant business.
1: But industries do go through uh, turmoil and they do uh, they do have to kind of re-engineer it. And uh, like I said, Tom's already opened up a new restaurant. So, yeah. I you know... So in your expert
0: opinion, are we going to be able to recover from this? What does it look like long-term as far as investors
1: and we as a firm? I think, you know, well, two things. First of all, absolutely we're going to recover from this, from a, uh, the economy as a whole. And with the restaurant industry, I think they're going to recover. I think there's going to be, you know, again, some real success stories in the restaurant industry. They're just going to have to figure out, you know, that value proposition. But it exists. People aren't going to want to cook at home all the time. They want to get out. They want to see people. So, you know, we're just going to go back to where we feel good about going, where we feel we're getting value. And, uh, you know, I have no doubt that there's going to be a, a lot of restaurateurs that are figure out how to deliver that.
0: Yeah. Have people into their evaluations figured out, you know, this whole thing with Uber and Dash and all of these delivery services? Is that helping restaurants like in downtown Seattle or they're not getting... The benefit of people calling them like they do out in the uh, suburbs and things like that some of the fast food restaurants and even some of the smaller chains and stuff like that but does that play a part here in seattle with
1: some of those services seattle's really uh the situation in seattle mirrors that for the rest of the country in terms of food delivery the food delivery is a blessing and a curse. While it expands their addressable market in certain ways, it also charges quite a bit. They can take 20 to 30% of the revenue at times. I know, you know, as we're trying to... My family's trying to support local restaurants. We tend to not use that. We tend to call up the restaurant, drive down, and pick it up. Oh, there you go. Because you, know, you don't want to pay the extra ding yeah, on the it, service? it won't be me paying it. It'll be the restaurant paying it. So and gotcha. as we said, it's a low-margin re- low business. So if you're paying 20% to the food delivery company... That doesn't work that well. Wow, ah, there we go. So that's that, probably
0: an area that a lot of people have given a lot of thought to and trying to say, yeah, that's a, that's that's right. a new perspective.
1: That's right. And it, it's funny. It reminds you a lot of these services that you've seen come and go too. Maybe food delivery will stay, but most of those companies are not profitable. So it's really even charging what they're charging to the restaurants, they're not able to make money. And how much for them to make a healthy return, how much more would we be willing to pay to get our food delivered? I don't know. So that, that's a real industry in flux. And it's a, as I say, I think it's been a blessing and a curse for the restaurant industry. Yeah. That's something else. So
0: I'm, I'm getting from you that there's a possibility there's a little bit of a light at the end of the tunnel. We're going to see our way through this. And for everybody who's loving to eat out restaurants, we're probably going to take a little bit of time to heal
1: from some of this stuff, but it looks like there's going to be an upside at some point. There'll definitely be an upside at some point. Uh, we'll definitely get through this, but it is a difficult time. And, uh... Obviously, there's a lot of pain out there for the restaurant community. So Yeah, we feel for them. We look forward to them getting through this.
0: Yeah, there's a lot of people around the country that are really pushing for restaurants right now with what we're going for. Get out into your local neighborhoods at least, you know, and support those and a lot of other places. So it's good that you've seen this kind of movement to let's do the best that we can to help not lose any more. Well, let me ask you this. Is there anything here in Seattle that you're going to be sorry to say bye-bye to? What are some of the favorite ones that are still open, and you're hoping that they hang on for dear uh, life? Let's
1: just go straight to the restaurant recommendation, shall we? So let's go with three. One is a kind of a local favorite. Uh, one's an institution, and one's a steakhouse slash fine dining.
0: The Fire first away. First one,
1: restaurant Paradiso. I would encourage everyone to go there, try that lasagna, and tell me if there's you've ever had a better lasagna than that. Amazing place, great service, everything. The other is uh, Burger Master there. There you go. And let me tell you, they are not going away. Every time I go, it is With
0: packed. all, Seattle has turned into a crazy upscale burger paradise. With all of the burgers we have to offer here in Seattle,
1: you're going to Burger Master. Oh, yeah, I just went. Love and the it. shakes, I mean, I just don't know anyone that can make a shake like that, too. Love it. So uh, that's number two. And then the last one. Dear to our hearts here at uh, Hoheimer is Capital Grill downtown. There we go. Where we like to go with uh, ourselves and with clients. And I would suggest any of the bone-in steaks, the ribeye, the filet. How about those lamb lollipops? Well, no, That's I, a huge I, favorite here well, at the firm. I haven't had those, so I know the chicken sandwich is good. Nice. The recommendation is Grill. Yeah. If you haven't been in a while, they do a great job. They're open uh, right now. Uh, we get lunch from them. Uh, they do takeout. Uh, they're
0: not yeah, that's great. Yet. We've had some of it here at the firm, and it's fantastic. And for some of us sugar fanatics, that coconut cream pie that they've got down there, oh yeah, is worth trading some body oh, parts yeah. for. It's pretty pretty yeah. good. So, well, that's good. Well, if I had to pick, I'm going with. I mentioned it earlier. Serious pie is just fantastic. Serious nice. pie is not fantastic. So I love that. And you threw a burger place in. So I got a place in Tacoma, which is the original Pickwick location, and by far the burger and the fries. I just think they're the best around. I love it. And steakhouses, we got so many upscale steakhouses to choose from. The uh, Butcher's Table is fantastic. I still love the Metropolitan Grill. Been going there for 25, 30 years, and it just always stays fantastic. So, what do I got? I got my pizza, my burger, and my steak. Just doesn't so get any better than that. We can die happy, right?
1: <laughs> yeah. I think
0: those are some good recommendations. So, people get out, support those restaurants. Yeah, absolutely. At least while they're still open. Let's hope yeah. and pray. Yeah. The restaurant industry survives in
1: this town. Yep, absolutely. I'm sure it will.
0: Well, with that, I think we'll say goodbye for the time. Yep. Until we meet you again on the next one,
1: take care, okay. and we appreciate you. Thank you.